the Yangqing National Sliding Center, where 10 Olympic gold medals will be earned over the course of these games. It's a frozen spectacle of explosive speed and mostly cool-headed control. But this is dangerous at the end. How far up is the sled going to go? Whoa, I heard a thump. While the all-important clock tallies the forces of speed by time, there's one variable every skeleton, luge, and bobsled athlete always wants more of. Wait. Wow, look at that speed. 88.8 miles an hour already. On today's podium, downforce strategies that are worth their weight in gold. From NBC Sports, this is The Podium, a podcast about the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympic Games. I'm your host, Lauren Shahadi, coming to you every day from the ground with a unique angle on the performances that are carving what's possible on ice and snow. Men are cruising at 90 miles per hour. Their ride, a sleek convertible with stars and stripes on the hood. It's not a buddy movie, although the banter amongst them might lead one to think otherwise. Not that they can talk right now. It's very loud, it's pretty violent going down. I, I've been in a sled before where a pilot comes out of a turn really well and he'll like scream or be like, yeah! Um, and you can hear stuff like that. But other than that, it's too loud. My name is Frankie Del Duca, Team USA, and I drive the two and the four-man bobsled. Carlo Valdez, I sit two-spot and four-man sled. James Reed, I sit in the third position in the sled and I push from the right side. Hakeem Abdul-Sabor, the last person in the four-man, which is the right. Well, welcome, all four of you. Perhaps our largest podium interview to date. I'd love to start with how you guys push and enter the sled. It looks so powerful, but also kind of like a perfectly choreographed sequence. What is that sequence? Well, we all line up on the on the start line together, and I'm on the driver's bar, and then we have the brake man and the two side guys. I set up the sled to pull it back close enough to us to where we all can get in position and hit it at the same times. Then I go through a cadence of back set ready, and then we all hit the sled at the exact same time. Um, we practice that a lot so that we're all in tune and all hit the sled at the exact same time. Um, then we proceed to push the sled as fast as we can. And do, do, do you want to hear a full cadence? Yeah, I'd love to. Okay. As if we were on the show. Yeah, yeah. Sit. I'll hit the sled. Back set, ready. It's like a metronome. Yeah. Back set, ready. Never completely synced. On the clap, we're going. Full speed. Yeah. Got it. What happens if you don't all hit at the same time? It's just not as fast. Yeah. Uh, the worst case scenario is someone get left at the block, <laughs> um, <laughs> and we leave them, and they have to either play catch up, we have to slow the sled down to try and let them catch up, or they just never catch up to the sled. Uh, that's the worst case scenario. Best case is we hit it all together, and if we don't, then uh, it'll be just a little bit slower start time. But we're fighting for hundreds of a second at the start, so if we can be in sync as possible, then we just have a better chance of having a faster start time. Wow, a lot of synchronization, right? And not a movement out of place. 
And it looks like we've been doing it forever because we, we've done so many reps. Yeah, so we all start pushing at the same time. And then I start the load sequence once we get to a certain spot. I'll load and then Carlo's maybe a step or two off of me. Jimmy's a step or two off of Carlo. And Akeem is a step or two off of Jimmy. And we all get in and down like Carlo was saying. But it's it's that quick. It's like a step or two. And once we uh, all are off the ice and we sit down, um, then everybody gets in position. I pull the push bars uh, that the two and three guy are pushing on. I pull them into the sled so that it's a more aerodynamic profile. And then I get down as well. For those of us who've never been, what's it like in there? Uh, well, as far as sound goes, it's loud, um, especially on all the man-made tracks. Um, so like here, for example, it's a man-made track. The only, there's only one natural track uh, still left um, that we compete on. That's in St. Moritz, and that's a lot more quiet. Um, but every other track, it, it's, it's very loud. It's, um, you've probably seen it from other uh athletes in the past you know you can pretty much simulate it like being in a trash can and someone kicking that trash can off the side of a hill um so you're, you're pretty much in a washing machine um it's a lot of vibration um a lot of vibration and just coming off the turns it's sometimes very smooth and if it's very smooth you're still feeling quite a bit of pressure from from centripetal force going around curves so that's like best case scenario is it's it's relatively smooth there's still tons of vibration and quite a bit of pressure and then you know if you hit a wall you can just tap a wall but you're still tapping at 85 90 plus miles an hour so it's you know it's a tap but it's a 90 mile an hour tap so there's a lot of rattling just a lot of rattling around it's loud but we're exploring the topic of weight because it's something i guess i never thought of when I looked at the times and the speeds, I was surprised that four men was the fastest of the crafts going down the ice track. What factor does weight play into the performance? So momentum down the track, uh, especially on longer tracks. This is a longer track, um, not as steep as others, but still a good a good amount. And yeah, as, as the further you go down, the more weight you have in the sled, the faster you're going to be at the bottom. So, you know, a lot of teams like to push that limit and we're definitely pushing it right now. Um, but it, it plays a big role for sure. The ideal scenario is you have four really fast, strong guys that are heavy because then you push a minimum weight sled and you have the best of both worlds. You're pushing a light sled with fast guys. And how heavy is the bobsled when you're all in there together? We're, we're currently struggling with weight. <laughs> so um, there, there's a max weight that is 631 kilos that the sled and all four guys have to be under. And right now, because of the weight of our sled, it's a little heavier than other people's sleds. And the size of all the guys on the team, we have to lose weight before the competition. So we're each trying to cut out a handful of pounds. So we'll be legal when we race. I mean, as far as putting that into weight, um, the sled itself is 218 kilos, which is like just a little under 440 pounds. Uh, you know, Frank's sitting at 101, 102 keys, which is just a little above 220. I'm sitting at around 105, which is like 230. Uh, Jim, like 97 kilos, uh, which is... 211? Yeah, it's yeah, above 210. And big man <laughs> over here <laughs> is around like 109 kilos, roughly. With all of our gear and stuff, and that's you know, Hakeem the Green, two forty, two forty ish. So it's heavy. I've already lost. 
I've lost two kilos already since getting to China. Uh, I'm going to lose more. I'm going to lose more because Akeem's racing two men. So we said whoever's racing two men uh, will maintain the weight because we need that for the two men sled. And then whoever's not will lose the most. So I, I got to lose maybe another kilo or two. To reflect our uh, our weight problem right now, our uh, WhatsApp group chat name is uh, Frank's Tanks right now. <laughs> <laughs> Frank's yeah. Tanks has got to change. I love it. Frankie Del Duca, as a pilot, you're steering this freight train of a team down the track. What else should we know? Um, something that a lot of people don't realize is that we're self-funded, that, that Team USA doesn't have government assistance. So, you know, when, when you make a national team, oftentimes your flights to places will be covered and things like that. But getting to that point. And for me as a driver, the runners that we're talking about are quite expensive and it comes from my pocket. So um, just going back to that blue collar sport, like we're very invested with our time and our own resources. And um, you know, it's something to be said for that, the camaraderie that that builds as well as accepting a somewhat dangerous sport, potentially dangerous sport. So there's a lot of camaraderie that, that goes into this and that self-funded aspect. We do, a lot of work ourselves, like a lot of work on the sled. Um, we don't have runner technicians the way other sports may have, like uh, equipment tech. We have we have a head sled mechanic, but the day to day stuff and the the race prep, we actually sand the runners down by hand ourselves. So there's kind of a blue collar aspect to the sport that maybe people don't don't know about. Um, and that, that's the first thing that comes to mind for me. I think runner selection. Um, so we're given a cut of steel from the IBSF, which is the International Bobsled Skeleton Federation. And then there are specifications on how you can cut that runner. And you can choose different types of runners, skinnier, fatter, uh, different rocks, different cambers, tapers. And each track and different weather conditions have an ideal runner uh, for that for those conditions. Um, and so you everyone's always testing runners to see which runners might be fast on different tracks and different conditions. Um, so runners play a pretty big role as well. Uh, remind me what the runners are. Runners are the things, the blades that you see underneath the sled. If you see someone who, is driving and they don't look like they have a lot of control. Uh, that's usually a fatter runner, I would say, most of the time. Uh, they went with a bigger radius runner, which is a little harder to control. But if you can control it, it has the potential to go a little faster than a skinnier runner, which cuts a little more of the ice, depending on the conditions. You, I'm listening to you guys. You are so in sync. You finish each other's sentences. Uh, I mean, we're around each other all the time, essentially, especially on tour. We train together, we eat together, and, you know, if we're not sledding, you know, we're doing sled work all the time almost. And, yeah, we're, we're, we're close to each other most of the time. But, yeah, other than that, you know, we, we talk just, about smack to each other and just to keep it light. But yeah. <laughs> we're a fun group of guys. <laughs> <laughs> Katie Ulander can't quite compete with the kind of gravitational force produced by four grown men in a tiny fiberglass bullet. But as a skeleton racer, she has a couple of tricks to multiply the pressure she puts on the track and on the competition. To become the provisional leader 
Katie Ulander to the end, and she does it by nine hundredths of a second. Hi, I'm Katie Ulander from the USA. I do skeleton. This is my fifth round. Yeah, Katie, your fifth Olympics and getting up close and personal, going face first. How close are you to the ice? It's only an inch or two and it's on the ice quite a bit. Like I'm trying to stay low. So sometimes I'm like, I, I like tap it on the ice just to check to make sure like my head's down. Uh, but but it's your whole body that's controlling the skeleton, right? Starting from the tip of your head to your toes. What's going on when you're putting down these winning times? Well, I mean, the best way to describe the leading edge would be my head. My head is the leading edge. Uh, but I try to use my chin as the point. So if I'm, if I'm racing, it's pretty similar to ski racing where they're in a tuck and they're looking up like this. So I'm going to use my chin to guide, guide my movements. So the leading edge points the way. And then there's a lot of like, I know Star Wars has become like a Disney thing. I haven't caught up to that yet. <laughs> Guess I'm old. But Yoda, I think of him a lot because I try to Yoda my way down the track. <laughs> so I just want to have a lot of like, awareness of my body so that I don't give in to the instincts of flight. Like, you know, it's fight or flight when you're in those intense situations. So I try to just like use my leading edge and relax through the rest of my body and know that I can dance with the, the track and, and use the force. Just staying in alignment. So trying not to let anything flail or tense up inappropriately. Any movement on the sled is is should be intentional because you're at such high speeds and the the sled is basically my body I'm the suspension so any movement I make impacts my speed I'm trying to think like have you ever been sitting on ice and you tense up and then you relax and you end up sliding so much faster um or you could get nerdy and use a physics equation which is momentum plus velocity equals speed so what's the heaviest thing possible? Dead weight. So you want to try to accomplish being as relaxed as possible, but also intentionally moving. So that's what I'm saying. It's the force. You're like, I'm dead, but I'm not dead. I'm dead, but I'm not dead. <laughs> uh, you're not dead. Thank goodness. You're quite acquainted, though, to heavy things as a weightlifter. Does that idea translate over? Oh man, weightlifting is its own beast. The biggest thing I learned from weightlifting is that sport is 90% mental. If you want to learn how to get the best out of your body, you have to relax, and which is counterintuitive to weightlifting. But if you try too hard, even in weightlifting, which is a sport you're like, oh, I'm going to go up here and I'm going to try my hardest, you're going you're gonna to miss out on potential power that you have because you're too busy worrying about doing your best. Your focus really has to be on relaxing and allowing your body to do what it can. So that's why, you know, I talk about Yoda and the force. I think any sport kind of translates that through anyway. Like you're trying to be as light as you can mentally and then as heavy as possible physically. Okay. Okay. As light as you can to be as heavy as you can. It's so interesting, right? So you've created all this speed. It almost looks like you're using your toes as an emergency break? Is that accurate? Yeah, that's a, that's a last resort, but which I tend to use often. So <laughs> um, essentially it's creating drag. So if I'm dragging my left foot, it's to go that way and my right foot to go that way. 
What do you want people to think when they see you on track, maybe dragging some feet, definitely channeling Yoda and applying as much force as possible into that track? F yeah. Wait, was I allowed to say that? <laughs> no, that's good. Okay. Okay. I want okay. people to be fired up. That's, I just want, I want people to see the passion. I want them to see me enjoying the sport and how fun it is. For the first time ever, the Super Bowl and Winter Olympics will be on the same day and the same network. Competition continues at the Winter Olympics tonight. And don't miss Super Bowl 56 as the LA Rams take on the Cincinnati Bengals February 13th on NBC and Peacock. Follow the podium now on Apple Podcasts to get automatic downloads. And tune into the networks of NBC to watch every moment of the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympic Games.